Welcome back to Dare to Feel. I'm your host, Alexandra Roxo, creative artist, best-selling author of Fuck Like a Goddess, transformational and spiritual mentor and coach. This series is based on my book, Dare to Feel. And each episode will deepen into topics around intimacy, relationship, spirituality, healing, and beyond. In today's episode, we're speaking with Jillian Pothier about healing our wounds with the masculine, living from eros versus ego, and why it's time to stop blaming the patriarchy and start honoring men. Hi, everybody. I am so excited to introduce you. And unless you already know Jillian, which you, you may already know Jillian, I bet there's some crossover in the people that are orbiting in our worlds. But if you do not know Jillian Pothier, did I say your last name correctly? Pothier. Pothier. Okay. <laughs> I made it a bit more French. Sorry. <laughs> so Jillian Pothier, I'm going to introduce you to her by reading her bio. So take a deep breath and join us on this journey. So Jillian rode a romantic roller coaster in her young adult years. Her relationships with men were often characterized by volatility, emotional drama, and eventual heartbreak. As a result, she learned the hard way what it takes to address the confusion and distortions and receive the deeper truths of masculine and feminine nature and archetypes. Through her writing, teaching, and feminine mentorship, she helps women repair and co-create fulfilling lifelong bonds with the men in her life, husband, lover, father, son, brother, former husband, friend, colleague. Jillian studied literature and visual art at Bennington College before going to obtain an MA in depth psychology from Pacifica Graduate Institute. Her work centers on what becomes possible when we understand masculine and feminine nature and co-creation through the lens of psychology, beauty, fairy tale, and Jungian archetypes. Oh, love it. Thank Welcome, you so Jillian. Thank you. So happy to be here with you. Mm. So I'm curious. Now, I know you have a vast body of work and lots of teachings, so much depth to your work. And I'm curious for people that are new to your work, can you put those in a little bit of a nutshell in a condensed version so people know what you're all about, what you teach, and what you're passionate about, some of which we just heard in your bio. But I'm curious if, um, yeah, if you can give us a brief, like a, to use maybe some Jillian languaging and a moose bouche. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, sure. So essentially, this is a path um, of feminine awakening. And a path of feminine awakening is going to include an unfolding and a ever-deepening relationship with our own nature as women. It is also going to include, and for me, this is like you don't get to pass go without this, without entering into a deep spiritual repair with the masculine as well. Um, and in this case, I think at its deepest quintessence, it's like the father wound. Like we really have to do a deep kind of excavation and reparative journey of that place that dwells in the psyche and in the womb and in the heart of all women. So I would say that um, those two kind of paths, like really, like what does it mean to be a woman at the level of our nature, at the level of the wholeness and fullness of our expression in this time, on this planet, and then within that my belief and like what I teach with great, um, <laughs> I don't know the word, like passion and conviction is like that must include, it, it's not separate from, it must include a reparation and a deep kind of heart awakening around our relationship with the masculine and our relationship with men. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. 
What I love about um, what you just shared and what I've experienced from your work is that the teachings and the dynamics that you teach, and some of which you just stated, I'm curious, what percentage, and you know, this is obviously like a potential hypothesis or guess from you, but what percentage of women in the world today do you think are ready for that level of teaching and experience? Because I've read some of your stuff and I've been like, I don't even know if I'm ready for that. (laughs) I need to go back to basics. Um, So I'm just curious in terms of like this wild planet that we live in with billions Mm -hmm. of people, Mm -hmm. do you, how do you think that this level of teaching, like how is everybody ready for it? Like, can everybody digest it? Or is it a certain type of woman who, is there, say, a threshold she has to cross before she can receive that? You know, this is such a great question, um, Alexandra, because so I'm at essence like an essayist. I write essays and I've been sharing them on Facebook for the last four years. And my background is trained in the lineage of Carl Jung, psycho, in, in a psycho depth psychological um, lineage and tract. I did not sit for the board, so I was never licensed, but I was deep in an academic and clinical path for many years. So that does infuse my work. And I write essays sometimes where I'm like, oh my gosh, there's going to be 11 people who understand this because it's complex and it's deep. Hundreds of you know, shares and comments later, I'm quite stunned. Like I'm often quite stunned where I'm like, wow, people go on the ride with this. Like they want to make contact with these layers of themselves and these remembrances. So that's actually been a great opportunity for me to kind of reorganize my own thinking around this. And I also think it's like, it's kind of like a yoga class, A beautifully sequenced yoga class is going to move us from one asana to another in a way that like one will kind of unlock the next one will prepare soma for the next expression. It's kind of like that in my teaching spaces. Like once you're, once a woman is in my private teaching space, we're going to move somewhat sequentially through teachings that build upon one another or maybe even like unlock one another. So I think it's sort of twofold. One is I think that there's a deep hunger for the mythic and for us to remember this aspect of ourselves and to relate archetypally, you know, from the feminine to the masculine and vice versa. I actually think that there's a deep human hunger for that type of connection and that type of like nutritive nutriment. And to your point, it can be deep activating work. Not all my teaching spaces are for all women, but I do have a membership where there's hundreds of women inside of it. And we work through some of these foundational pieces so that we can kind of begin to build a language and a remembrance and unlock our own natural intelligence. Like nothing I teach is new. We all have this, these codes of remembrance, but it's like when it gets evoked, when it gets kind of worked, I think is when there's a deeper unfurling and some women, not all to your point, but some women are like, oh my gosh, take like, let's go. Like they, they feel the deep organic desire to know themselves and to know men or the masculine through this lens personally, like at the level of their own woman. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I love hearing that. It's like, sometimes you write and you're like, I don't know if anybody's going to get this. And then you're like, wow, actually, tons of people are. And it brings me to this question. It's like, why, why are we yearning so deeply to, and I'm going to use the word heal, but I don't know. There's, there's so much, so many more dimensions Mm -hmm. to it, but why are we yearning so deeply to heal with men, with the archetypal masculine, with our fathers, with our brothers, with our partners, like, 
it's it's a it's obvious that it's a collective need, but I'm also curious, like, do you feel like women on a whole are acknowledging that need that I'm I'm saying that I see? Mm-hmm. And how does a woman begin? Let's say if she's not acknowledging or she's not willing, how does she begin to even open to the idea of like, I want to understand men or I want to heal this wound or I want to move into a relationship. I don't know what you would call it, which I want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if they feel still like they've been wronged or hurt or abused. Because I feel the nuance of like, there is a desire, right? Like many women have a desire to be in partnership with a man. And at the same time, many women hold such a grudge and have Mm -hmm. such a chip on their shoulder around men, dad, patriarchy, whatever it is. So I know that's a really big, slightly, slightly circuitous question. (laughs) So, um, I think at the level of like our God-given quintessence, we are born onto this planet in an embedded context. It is men and women. It is or male and female. Like we are in an embedded context. And I'm often, and I say this like with great reverence and devotion, but I'm like, oh my gosh, this is one of the places where you look at, you know, God and you're like, ooh, like this is quite a high level <laughs> assignment or like, you know, cosmic game that we've all signed up for to come onto this planet with all the inherited wound structures that exist epigenetically, ancestrally in the level of bloodline. That's real. That's real. And all the cultural, societal distortions. And I'm going to use some words here that I think are, but like the agenda, there's agendas I very much feel that are injected or encoded into our culture to uh, further heighten or amplify separation. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, we can look at what are some of the ways that men are most commonly portrayed in our culture. And I could possibly offer that two of the most primary kind of archetypes that we see of the masculine is kind of the you know, beer bellied, you know, um, like idiot, like Homer Simpson, that type of frame. We see that perpetuated throughout a lot of cultural creations. Then we also see the kind of villain, you know, the criminalized, Mm -hmm. um, nefarious, non-benevolent man who, you know, causes harm, particularly to women. I would say in many ways that those are the two perhaps most highly articulated expressions of quote unquote, the masculine or quote unquote, like what being a man looks like in our modern culture. That is a massive distortion. There is so much, um, and this is a lot of like flipping the script here, Alexandra, or like turning the canoe around because I think there is so much weaponization of masculine nature. And there's reasons for that. It destroys families. It leaves women and children in very vulnerable states quite often. So I think that it's like there are there are multiple multitude of reasons that this separation continues to be amplified culturally. So that's on one hand. And then on the other hand, if we bring it all the way back to like a woman's heart, a woman's heart, she is encoded. She, and there's exceptions to this, of course. So I'm not talking about this even like from a heterosexual standpoint, but women are encoded to love men, if not romantically, we have fathers, brothers, and men, and sons. It's like there is no truly unfurling into the deepest expression of our women, of our woman, of our true nature, until we reckon with this other, you know, the other of man. And we can add a little bit more complexity to this. And I would share that. It's my belief, and this is very much 
kind of imprinted with the Jungian lineage that I kind of, one of my source codes that the human psyche all has masculine and feminine aspects within it. So if we have a profound kind of psychic immune response, if we, to use your point, have so many resentments and judgments and grievances against men, and yet we are a mother of a son, or yet we dare part of us deep in our heart, deep in our womb, part of us aches to be held, made love to, protected by, cared for, by a man, partnered with a man, until we do that work, we're just going to cycle and loop through distorted relationships that unconsciously keep us further and further away from what I believe is like a a organic desire, like a primordial desire of the feminine heart. And that is not always by a long shot, like good news to the feminine ego, because it means we have to go on a ride. Like we have to go on a journey because there's work for us to do at the level of our own heroines of our own heroines journey. Like we have a journey to go on to unpack the parts of ourselves that remain armored and stuck in stories, even if there's empirical truth. Right. If we don't evolve our relationship to that story, we get stuck in a narrative of victimization or disempowerment, whatever, however we want to name that, that doesn't serve the fullness of our life, the fullness of our expression. And so there's a fundamental reality to that. I think that's, that's very real for women. Yes. And I love that. And, and I'm just like, so for especially people listening that are like, okay, great. So what is that work that you're talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what does that look like for the average woman when she's ready to do that personal reckoning? Perhaps she's ready to no longer be like, I was hurt by dad. I was hurt by ex-boyfriend. I'm the mm-hmm. victim. And perhaps she has a little bit of a dawning of clarity of like, hmm, maybe there's some work for me now. Obviously, I think a lot of our listeners would know, sure, there's things to do from a therapeutic standpoint and uh, personal healing, but what does that look like from a Jillian standpoint? So there's many different access points. I believe that as a woman kind of awakens into these recognitions, or as you said, like have a dawn of awakening, that what kind of co-awakens is a deep desire to believe and trust in the goodness of men's hearts. Again, like that, that is a foundational, perhaps buried and armored, but I believe that that desire to believe and trust, like in the goodness of men exists. So if we can dare to tremblingly (laughs) touch that place within our own hearts, then we begin a journey of what is it that I believe about men? What is and where have I inherited beliefs from my mother and my grandmother? I did a beautiful kind of masterclass ceremony as an offering that will be available. There's no cost for it. Um, And it was shocking to me and yet confirming, but still so disturbing where it's like, we really have to look at what gets siphoned down into our little girl systems from our mothers and our grandmothers who have endured wounding that's, or live inside that narrative that we've been told about men. It's shocking what women, modern day women, what lives inside of our systems that what we've been told about men. And one of my teachings is like the father wound often travels through the mother line, Mm -hmm. meaning that it's the grandmothers and the mothers and they do it to be potentially well-intentioned. But when all of this kind of narrative about the cruelty or the ineptitude or the lack, the danger, whatever all these narratives are, get siphoned down into our little girl systems. Like as little girls, we like, 
we're like we little spoon inside the nervous systems of our mothers and grandmothers. And, and a lot of this is even passed down from womb to womb in unspoken language. All of that gets patterned into our systems. It's like, oh my gosh, no wonder we grow up almost, many of us, I won't say this is true for all of us, with like an unconscious split. Like, I want to love and be loved by a man. And I'm afraid to be vulnerable. I'm afraid to be my true self. I feel like I have to build a little, you know, like, um, I don't know the word exactly, but like little dark castle <laughs> to protect myself, like a little citadel, you know, to pre- fortress. That was the word I was thinking of, to like protect myself. So, so, so much of our belief is unconsciously split and weaponized around men. And then we begin to, and I think this is so important, like we have to listen carefully to where women, where we're colluding with other women around their beliefs, lived experiences, shadowy you know, relationships, around men because that's another place that in our attempt to belong and create bonded friendships with other women, we are consenting to these narratives around men and being in relationship with loving, good men and fathers that it's like that are highly distorted. And so that's another place where I'm like, like you, we have to wake up. Like, what are we allowing into our systems Because as women, we will birth what we believe Mm -hmm. over and over again. So there has to be discernment and consciousness to to what we are allowing to be kind of unconsciously injected in our systems from even if very well-meaning mothers and grandmothers. Like I really honor the protective nature of some of that uh, quote-unquote like wisdom, um, that there's a protective instinct there. And then even more so in our modern day realities, like what are you letting into your womb? What are you letting into your, at the level of beliefs? I'm not even talking about, you know, right. at the level of, of men, but like, what are we letting our psyche and our beingness be saturated with? Because we will birth that and we will then be separated even further from, you know, the deep truth of our heart's desire, which is to love and be loved. Yeah. Yeah. So it's complicated. Yeah. And I, I am curious when you did that masterclass ceremony and, and, and just from your experience, what are some of the things that you feel like are most common that the grandmothers and the, the mothers and that even society is asking women to collude in around men? Like, what are some of the things that you most hear? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Men aren't safe. He will leave you. He will all, he will leave you for a younger woman. Always have your own backup plan, your own money. And I'm not saying that there isn't rightness in this, but when it's injected because of fear rather than sovereignty, that's an issue. All the way, Alexandra, in 2023, men are pigs. It's like all the way to that level of disdain and distortion around men and the masculine. Shocking to me. These are like, this. it's shocking. And this is because that statement, men are pigs, is like one of these unspoken, taboo, insidious, like dark ribbons that is kind of woven through many women, not all, thank God, not all, but like that imprint dwells inside of many women's systems, movies and all different things that corroborate or like reverb that, that, uh, massively insidious, destructive. It's kind of like the different version of like, 
women are sluts or something like that. It's like, it's something that's so exaggerated, but continues to be perpetuated in subtle and overt forms, but all different kinds of things that keep women armored on some level and feeling afraid to be in the truth of their vulnerability, being afraid, always feeling like they have to compensate. And this leads often to great masculinization which is a state of, you know, psychic and physiological pain for women mm. because they are, it's like we get stuck between a rock and a hard place a little bit. Like we are told all these things about men. We often then perpetuate these experiences on some level. And then we have our own, you know, empirical evidence of the rightness of these experiences. And I think it's important that I say, like, not for a hot second am I pardoning the very real, you know, harmful footprint or handprint of the distorted masculine on the collective feminine or the women in our own families. Like, that is not what this is about. So it's like that needs to be acknowledged and there has to be a evolution that um, brings us into greater a greater unified, co-creative healing field that that lets us collectively uh, walk each other home. You know, to the tr- to the truth of our loving natures, and there it's this is part of a woman's. Um, journey of awakening. Like, I don't think we get to be, and I'll say this a little, gosh, a little bit uncomfortably, but like, I don't think we get to be like great women, women who are great in our expression and in our, our embodiment until we do some of this reparative work with men in the masculine, because we are in an embedded context. And I have women who realize some of this when they have sons that are, you know, either babies or grown young men, and they are encountering very painfully how they have beliefs around men and the masculine that even though they've been unspoken, of course their sons have a intuitive or instinctual felt sense of some of those beliefs and see their... So, so it's we can see the way this like helixes in the perpetuation of these, mm-hmm. of these places of um, sorrow and distortion and um, yeah. And wounding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for the woman who may be listening, who is in that place and God bless everyone's journey and where they are and all of that. So if you're listening and, you know, just accept where you are and that's okay. But for the women that are in the place where they're like, but Jillian, I've been really hurt and I've been wronged. And look at the patriarchy and look at the statistics, look at the politics for the women that are in that moment what would you recommend if there, right? If there's like, I'm kind of, I'm in that belief right now, but I still do want to repair. What would you recommend is the kind of bridge? Because if the mind is stuck and maybe it's not even stuck as maybe a harmful word to use, but if let's say someone's path, that's like, they're there, they're just still reckoning with Oh, but I've been wronged, but, but there's been so much wronged under the planet, da, 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 da. And there's still the sort of, it's been the man or the patriarchy. What is the bridge to, to finding that, that kind of pathway into that awakening? I don't know if it's easy to put into, um, words even, but is there, is there, is there a way for the women that are listening who are like, but I'm still really fucking pissed that I was raped or that I, you know, Mm -hmm. grew up with an abusive dad or whatever. Right. This is, and, and I have many women in my field who have shared with me, Jillian, like I 
bucked, like it's like a wild horse. Like I bucked against your work and blocked you and deleted you and <laughs> for years. And I kept coming back because it's like, there's a little bit of medicine here. There's a little bit of like remembrance. And part of it is, and well, there's two things. One is it's like, we're not responsible when we're little, we're not responsible for like, quote unquote, what has happened to us, particularly in instances where our sovereignty or like we, there's violation. Okay. I would say that, but we are responsible for what lives in our systems. It's like, it's, it is once whatever dwells in our systems is what we have to be responsible for. So the first thing I will say is like, it's not fair. It's not going to be fair. I don't play for fair. Fairness and equality are not layers of, um, of they don't care, carry a necessary healing function. If this is truly a desire that you're willing to like, touch and let awaken within you. If you have a desire that begins to awaken within you to enter into a healing function with men in the masculine, regardless of what your lived experience has been to date, for me, this is a path of like of God and of grace. Like you are, that desire is to lead you into greater wholeness and so the way that we begin is two ways. One, depending upon your own story, your own sacred wounding, there is, it may be that some of this needs to be unwound from your system on a table of a beautiful somatic practitioner. That has been a part of my own path is because I realized there are artifacts or imprints in my system that are going to, in in attempt to keep me safe or protect me, are going to actually reflexively or reactively stand in the way of what I can, with great discomfort at those times, touch as a desire for healing. So that's one path. And then I would say another path, which is going to be both kind of lighter, like, and um, more accessible is like, you use the word like Jillian, but the patriarchy, I don't ever use the word patriarchy. I use the word patriarch and I honor the blessings and the goodness of the benevolent patriarch. Like I don't look for evidence of of a story of the patriarchy. I know what I dwell inside of in terms of our cultural milieu and our societal structures. I know that, but I'm only going to perpetuate separation if I'm looking for evidence that stacks or like is further kindling for, for disruption and even for my own entitled gosh, you know, egoic attachment to making men wrong. So yeah, it's so tough. Like having an identity that gets to make men wrong when we have so much evidence, there's a, you can play that game. Women can play that game and they can play it for their whole lives. And I promise you and them that that they will one day be on their deathbed and they will have constructed a fortress of empirical, factual, like accuracy that has kept them from the depth of feminine desire and eros and love that is part of quintessence of woman. And they have a they have every right to choose that. They have every right to choose that. And there's a different path that is a bit of a moonlit hinterland <laughs> path, a little bit of a footpath through the brambly, you know, hinterlands. But what gets evoked and opened and remembered inside of this path is 
so life affirming. It's so in service to life beyond our preferences, beyond our ego, beyond our identity as woman who has been subjected to violation, let's say, or little girl who's been injured by father. That's real. That's real. But it's only part of a narrative that when we can bring our feminine alchemy, this is not about spiritual bypassing. I don't avoid any of these places. We have to touch them. We ha- But there's a possibility for reorganization that is like in service to life, in service to a woman's heart, a mother's journey, a daughter's reclamation, whatever this may be. And it's always player's choice. I will not try to convince of a woman, even of the rightness of this, but for women who carry this tendril or this seed, it's like, it's not good news. We're going to try to look away from it (laughs) many, many times. But if it continues to circulate and if it continues, it's like, this is actually then yours to do. It is yours to do gently and tenderly and with holding of the full lived experience but there's something beyond that narrative that may that is deeply life-affirming yeah I think reminding women about that side is important it's like look there is something on the other side it's not like you're just doing all that hard work just for the hell of it, you know, you're doing all this hard work to be able to potentially free your own heart to have its deepest desires met, right? I mean, that's my interpretation of it. And so I'm curious, since we've kind of been talking about the greater conceptual, I want to bring it into the personal for you. And just how is, how do you live this as a lived practice in your own life, in your own relationship? Um, so that people can hear a bit about, okay, great. So I get it. I want to walk this path. I want to go on this journey. But what does that even look like? What does it look like in the day-to-day for you? What are some of the glorious victories and some of the deep struggles that you continue to be within as you're in this practice with yourself and your partner? Oh, my gosh. So good, Alexandra. Um, yeah, it is a... It is a path of massive personal responsibility. That's the first step. Um, I've been with my partner, Max, um, who's my fiance, for four years, I think, next month. Like, And he's also like an advanced player on this path. So, um, and that is both a deep blessing and, you know, I, I, I don't get away. Like it's actually, it's like wretchedly exquisite that he just parrots my own teachings back to me. Like, and I'm always like, oh God, I know, but like, I just want to be able to like, you know, be like a hot mess, you know, right now, or like be really whatever my shadow hunger du jour is, you know, like, I just want to give myself permission to be in that. And he'll play that with me. Like, you know, he'll, he'll, there's no like command around that, but the more I walk this path and live this path, and this is like the design of this is so exquisite and a little bit brutal in some ways. I'm like, gosh, like disrespecting Max disrespecting the masculine is truly physiologically painful to me. Like it hurts and it used to not hurt. And there used to be a little bit of like egoic get off, you know, like when women are brilliant in their, like we can take men down in our languaging. And there's definitely like a feminine, like the kind of femme fatale aspect Um, and so what used to, and I mean, like formerly years ago, be a little bit of like, yeah, like I said, there'd be like a little bit of like get off. Yeah. And a little bit of like hit of entitlement or arrogance or my 
superiority as a woman. Ooh, all of that has been just totally reorganized. And now any of those former places that used to like be a little bit of like an ego hit are physiologically painful. And so I end up walking, and I think this is kind of a golden path a little bit. And when I fall out of those higher frequencies or higher harmonics of remembrance, I often end up apologizing, like not with a big gratuitous, but like, wow, I could feel that part of me like arising that got triggered or activated or whatever it may be. And I want to be responsible for like how I showed up in that instance. And so I would say that that is something that, and and this isn't like epically frequent, but I'm willing, I want the field of my relationship to be really clear so we can like move fast and there can be very, a lot of Eros saturation. Eros is a very clean energetic. So I intentionally, we both do like clear out the places where there might be a little bit of density or stuckness or shadow play. Um, and so I, and I think there's a certain agility with that that's happened more and more as I teach. I also teach from a place of like, a lot of like I depedestalize myself on the regular. Like I teach this, I teach hundreds of women in my teaching spaces, this path. And yet I will tell them of like the places that I wipe out. And I am also, uh, have really learned to forgive myself quickly. We are human, particularly women. We are deeply cyclical creatures. It's like, there's going to be, messy bits and places along the way. I'm in permission of that part of myself. I'm willing to be responsible for that part of myself. And I forgive myself for those like wipeouts. They also make great teaching stories because they humanize this path. Like it makes it real. Like I'm like, okay, so two nights ago (laughs) or whatever it may be. And there's no shortage of those stories. Like they are part of my ongoing experience because as much as I teach, like we're all learning. This is a deeply human path, particularly in a feminine context. It's, it's, um, emergent and messy. And I think that there's a great beauty in that and a kind of a, a mystical rightness. So I don't aim for some linear perfected expression, but I do hold myself to higher and higher harmonics of responsibility um, to keep my field clean so it can like move with, yeah, beauty and grace and love and eros. So, and, and a lot of that also is like deeply accepting masculine nature. Like for a woman to truly accept maleness, maleness, that is a deep spiritual path for a woman. Like that's the Alison Armstrong quote. That's so fabulous. She's like, men are not just large, hairy women. Like it's funny, but we homogenize men and judge them through feminine characteristics all the time, which they will fail (laughs) because they're men. And then we will judge them and say that they are emotionally unavailable and narcissistic. And we will have heaps of collusion from other women on that narrative. Yeah. Tricky. Yeah. I love all of that. And I love that you mentioned Alison Armstrong and I'm just curious as like a quickie, who are some of your other influences and um, sort of North Stars on this path that you have then laid out and created from your heart? That's super beautiful. Um, for me, a lot of my teachers are Jungian. So I would say Marion Woodman has been a profound teacher for me. Um, 
I actually had a little bit of a, of a, I don't want to say a friendship, but I had a connection with Sally Kempton beyond her teachings that was really meaningful to me. Um, and I would say that even like Marie-Louise von Franz, another Jungian, are all important teachers for me. Allison, I quote, I may intimate greater, in, like I, I've never studied her work directly, but I get little tidbits of it. And I think she, there's so much brilliance in her teaching. I don't know it extensively though. Um, I haven't really found a teacher on this path in many ways. Many, like I have been on journeys um, and a lot of this has been through my own somatic teachers, like on their table and doing different types of somatic unwinding, but they're not teachers that we would know particularly in this lineage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And what about, I didn't hear you say Dr. Pat Allen, and I, I think I found oh, her yeah. through you. <laughs> I kept thinking, I'm so missing someone. Oh, Alexandra, I'm so glad you said that. Dr. Pat Allen, the inimitable cowboy of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. cowboy archetype like she's so epic and she was a significant teacher and influence and therapist for me and my family of origin so I'm so I kept thinking like I'm missing some major canon here so thank you thank you <laughs> you're welcome yeah. I mean whenever I recommend her work to a client or a student or something like that I'm just like look she's a hoot <laughs> Take what works for you and leave the rest. But some of the yes. things that I've read from her have been life-changing. So enjoy, totally. you know. <laughs> and she was life-changing for my whole family. Wow, yeah. wow. And yeah, mm-hmm. she is also just happens to be hilarious. And like you said, an archetypal expression that I don't know if I've ever come across, you know. And, yeah, um, yeah. Right. Wow. So I'm like, oh my gosh, we're already edging towards our closing and time has just flown and I feel like I have so many questions. But um, maybe I'll end on on a kind of more another relational question, which is, I'm curious. So as you're in your day-to-day relationship practice and you're, you're living from some of these concepts or ideals or let's say codes or however you want to call them, that are um, that you've cultivated after thrashing and and moving through and reckoning and being in the knowing and in the practice of I am cultivating this relationship of eros with the masculine, with my partner, um, with God, etc. What happens when? your partner just does something that it just, you're like, that is just, he's being just a total asshole or he's being ridiculous or he just did something that is just like undebatedly awful. Cause we are all human. I do stuff like that. Like I do stuff like that where I'm like, Oh, I can't believe I just did that. Right. So if he does something like that and you're in this deep devotional practice with the masculine, I'm curious, mm-hmm. what do you do? I, because I, I want to know for myself personally, because sometimes I find myself like, don't get mad. What do I say? You know, like kind of trying to, it's like, don't silence myself, but don't say any. don't be a bitch. Cause back to that, you know, like, I'm just so curious. What do you do in those moments? So I'm so glad you brought up Dr. Pat Allen, because this is probably my deepest DPA practice, Okay, great. which is for Dr. Allen, Pat Allen teaches that men have every right to do whatever they want, whatever they want, unless it's illegal, unethical, or immoral. <laughs> yeah, so you know this, right. So that frame has been um, extremely activating for me because it's true. Max, all men, all beings, human men and women, we're going to do, like, Max does things that, like, I cannot find rightness in. So I'm like, is it illegal, unethical, or immoral? And if it's not, which 99% of the time it's not, I have to, this is what I source in. Max or whomever, 
man, man, you have every right to do that particular thing that you just did that I am like find scandalously <laughs> in poor judgment. <laughs> and I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't judge it. I don't make it wrong. And I'll say why. I don't feel safe. I don't feel whatever it might be for me. It's usually like a safety issue when that really touches like a, a live wire in me. And that languaging that Dr. Pat Allen has established and is now, it's not even formulaic. It's like an organic framework for me has helped me so much because if I judge it, if I go up to my thinking function and judge it and make it wrong, we're just going to be too, we're just going to be like horns clashing, like rams clashing. But if I can stay in the suppleness of my feminine soma, my body, and say, you have every right, because here's the kicker. He does. He has every right. He has to be willing to pay the consequences of said scandalously poor, you know, behavior or whatever it may be. But if it's not one of those three things and doesn't violate an agreement, we all have the right, sovereign beings. So then I just say, but I... That I feel so uncomfortable about that, or like, oh my gosh, I, I feel really like I feel a lot of fear in my body, or whatever it may be. And here's what's so brilliant about that is that because I'm not meeting him in my masculine logos, which is judging his behavior, I'm meeting him through feminine felt sense, it gives him the opportunity to actually, first of all, like receive me without going into like combat energetically, like mental combat. And it gives him the opportunity to cherish my feelings mm -hmm. because I'm like, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel, I feel fear in my body, whatever that may be. And that gives me, and this is particularly true for women who are dating, like, watch and feel what a man does when you share if you if and when you feel uncomfortable because you will learn that man's capacity to cherish the feminine with a lot of immediacy and that is a vital quality of masculine provision and protection that is he is able to cherish the feminine and another Dr. Pat Allen layer, choose her comfort over his own. Comfort right. over his own. So I would say that that has been a bit of a godsend for me because I can acknowledge his right. Men need to learn experientially. Very, They need to learn by testing the limits of creation and reality, which some right, yeah. There's a reality to that. So that's what I mean. Like, how deeply can we respect maleness, primal maleness? And so that frame of like, oh my gosh, you have every right to do that. I feel some type of way about that. Let's me be re-enveloped in a quality of his cherishing. That's ideal. It doesn't always go down like that. Of course, humans. But if I can anchor in that frame, because the my deepest desire, because it feels good to my body, is to stay in, to stay spiritually and erotically and psychically located in a tone of respect for my partner. I love how organically he elicits my respect. So I have no interest in turning my man into like a lapdog that's like well-behaved for my range of comfort. But it needs he needs to be able to respond with a reflexive quality of cherishing of me when I'm like, woo, I'm out of range here. Like I'm, a yeah, yeah. So that feels like a really important characterological quality, value and character of the masculine that 
women need to require yeah. from men that they are dating or deepening into relationship with. I love that reminder. And I, it's been a while since I was training my mind around that. So I'm like, it's always such a good one to remember. It's one of um, Dr. Pat Allen's, I think just, I, I appreciate that she's so clear and kind of methodical about those things. Like, because it gives us something to go, okay, like when that happens and I'm about to go, I can't believe you just did that. That was crazy. You know, and I'm about to just go off. Could I stop, take a breath, say, love, you have every right to do that. And it, I'm feeling really uncomfortable. I'm feeling really scared right now um, or whatever, you know, right. and um, right. how, how, how different that is than us just shaming someone for their behavior or ma wrong making them. Yeah. So oh, I hate shaming them and also using our, um, I mean, I think shaming them qualify. Like, that's the perfect way of saying that, Alexandra. Yeah. I think that's really important because that's, I think, what so happen, happens so frequently from our unconscious um, position of superiority. Like, yeah. we know that's it's obviously right. one of and, mine, obviously, because I brought that up. I'm like, that's what I do. <laughs> For someone and else, it's maybe, it, maybe it's something else, yeah. but, um, but yeah, for me. And often we have to call too. It's like, there's a difference between calling a man into his greatness and spilling our pain body. Right. Too. Oh my gosh. And That's like the part two podcast. Ah! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because so I'm, I'm just, I love, I feel like we only scratch the surface, which sometimes happens. Sometimes a podcast happens. And I'm like, wow, we encapsulated someone's whole work. But today for everyone listening, we just, this is just a little taste of this whole world and experience, um, an initiation. I feel like that many women are going through seeking, um, perhaps like gently walking towards or resisting, like you said, the ones who are like, ah, I don't want to do it. Fuck that. And then I'm back. I actually need to do this work. So thank you for bringing this into our field here and into the hearts of everyone listening today. And if you are finding yourself as a listener feeling activated or triggered or in the resistance, it's okay. It's okay. Take a deep breath. Just feel what's underneath that perhaps. And, and if you're intrigued to go deeper with Jillian, go find her online. Look at her website. She's got an amazing body of work, community, um, classes, free offerings. There's so much that Jillian has to offer. Um, anything that you've got coming up or ongoing that you'd like to share with us? Um, I do have a um, free gift for your audience, Alexandra. The URL is just devotion.gifts, G-I-F-T-S. And I have a beautiful guide to feminine allure, which is like organic and not performative that I think um, is often like a beautiful delight for women to begin to explore this organic quality of feminine nature and it's accessible and um and begins a path of um women kind of deepening into the delights and the beauty of their own nature as women so that would just be a beautiful place for women to begin i also have a free facebook group that i can share Great. feminine uh, feminine Eros with Jillian Pathier. That's free. There's a few thousand of us in there. Very active, beautiful, incredibly beautiful, like feminine frequency, um, particularly for a free group, but really special kind of corner of the internet for sure. Awesome. We'll put all of the links here um, in the show notes for people so that they can find you and access you. And I would also recommend people read Jillian's essays. She's got some great writing that's out there as well. I'm just so glad that we got to have this conversation today. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing all of the fruits of your personal alchemical deep journey, which, you know, I wish we could have gone even more into, but I also appreciate you bringing us the fruits of your labor and of your uh, seeking and your devotion. 
Thank you so much, Alexandra. This is such a delight to connect with you and to um, share more about this path that um, that is a soul calling for many women. So I feel so grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I want to offer you some questions for contemplation, integration, and writing if you wish. The first one is to consider... Was there something in today's episode that touched you or moved you or triggered you? An image, an idea, a story? Take a moment and just think about it. Is there anything that provoked you, that reached inside of you, that perhaps brought up a memory or an idea from your life? What in this episode inspired you? Was there something that surprised you, that stood out for you? Could you jot it down just to remember? Maybe it was a concept or something that the guest said that that brought you to some new awareness. Was there something about this episode that upset you, that provoked you, that pissed you off? Giving yourself full permission to dive into that. Was there anything about this episode that soothed your soul, that helped you feel a little bit more belonging, a little bit more at home, a little bit less like you're the only one? Taking those questions into your heart or into your journal or into your day. If anything stood out that you want to share with me, please do so on social media, direct into my DMs. I would love to hear what touched you, what moved you, and what you're taking from this time together. And if this episode truly inspired you in some kind of way, share it with a friend, like, subscribe, and write a review. It means a lot to me. Thank you. So happy you're here with me, daring to feel.